0: Just for a moment, I want to ask you to think back to when you were like 18 years old. Now, some of you can't think back because you're not 18 yet, and that's okay. Some of you students here in front, it's good to have you here. But I wondered if you could think for a moment back to when you were 18 years old and you were bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, whatever that means, and you were you were in a place where you were thinking, you know, I'm, I'm here I'm, I'm real. I'm going to conquer the world. And, 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 and one of the things that I've run into, to as a pastor is people, when I kind of interact with them around their life and different things, I've preached messages that people have said to me, man, I wish I would have heard that when I was 18 or younger you you ever you ever had that moment where you're like man I wish somebody would have told me that back then and and here's the thing I think all of us can relate to that on some level even if you had great models even if you had great people in your life that were guiding you and helping you there there's sometimes these moments where we just run into things that we maybe weren't taught maybe things that we wish we would have known whatever it is or or usually when we're saying that It's because we wanted to avoid some kind of pain or some kind of difficulty or some kind of situation that we didn't want to be in. You know what I'm getting at? And so today I want to start a series that's called Living Purposefully, Living Purposefully. Because, see, this is what I know, that when I was 18 years old, if I would have heard this message, I think it would have helped me. And so wherever you are today, whether you're 16, 15, 45, 97, (laughs) praise God if you're 97, you're really rocking it. But whatever your situation, wherever your age group or where you are in life, I think this message is very helpful to us because it gets at the very core of who we are and why we're here. And these are the big questions that Christianity answers for people that I believe have the best answers. Like you can go searching for all kinds of answers. But I believe, and again, I'm a little biased, but I believe that the Bible has the best things to say about why we're here. And so what I want to do for the next two weeks, it's just a two-week series. I want to talk very specifically about what it looks like for us to live purposefully. What does it look like for us to live in such a way that we are living on purpose, that we are, how about this, uh, answering this question. Here's the, here's the question that we're going to answer over the next two weeks. And it's this, what on earth am I here for? What on earth am I here for? The big question, right? This is the big, hairy, audacious question that people are asking all the time. Why am I here? And so we're going to spend a little time doing that. But I wanted to start with just a few passages of Scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading out of Proverbs really quick. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28. And this is in the message. It'll be on the screens. Don't try and turn to it. It's it's just a short verse. Listen, a life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. You ever seen a stump? You ever tried to get a stump out of your flower bed or your house? You've cut a tree down and never tried to get a stump out? It's not fun. So it says, a life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. But God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. Isn't that good? In other words, that my life, if it's shaped by God, becomes a flourishing experience. And all of us need and want and desire a flourishing existence, don't we? Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 says this. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, right? They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots. Everybody say roots. Roots. With roots that reach deep into the water. And the roots are reaching deep into the water. And as they are, they're being nourished by God. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. You might be under the heat right now. You might be in a drought right now. But the Bible says that you won't be worried about such things. Why? Because your roots have gone deep into the one that can help you. And then watch this. Their leaves stay green and they go right on producing delicious fruit. Just picture it just as you bite into a peach (laughs) and all the juice that comes out of that peach as you do it. Do you get what I'm saying? That's a life full and rich and flourishing. And my friends, that's what God wants for each one of us. But here's the thing. How do we get it? I mean, what, what, what on earth are we here for? How do we, how do we connect with this purpose, this meaning behind it all? And so what I want to do is just simply work on that question. What on earth am I here for? And spend a little time there. And then I have five things that I'm going to share with you. But I'm only going to share two today. And you have to come back for the three next week. <laughs> I do that for you type A people. But what on earth am I here for? Listen to these words in Colossians. Colossians 1:16. This is, I'm reading out of the message, but I want you to help me here. Watch this. For everything, say everything. everything. For everything, absolutely everything. Say it again. Everything. Above and below, visible and invisible, everything, say it got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So in other words, that God is the beginning. And in God, everything started. You started because God existed. God was in the beginning. And there, everything got its start. And not just its start, but everything now finds its purpose. It's important you see this. Now, I don't know if you know this name, Bernard, or, but how do you say this? Burdon, Burdon? I think that's how you say it. It, I I don't know. But he was an atheist. How do I say that? Bertrand. Bertrand? Is that how you say it? Bertrand Russell. He was a known atheist. And he didn't believe in God, because atheists don't believe in God, because they're atheists. He said this. Unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. And that's coming from an atheist. So this atheist was basically saying that, that, why why even try? I mean, it's pretty much meaningless. But if you believe in a God, then it makes sense for you to maybe try and find some purpose, some meaning to life. And so, so, so he makes this statement. I, I love that because even the atheist knew That there was something more. Now, he wouldn't have acknowledged that. He wouldn't have admitted that. But he would have said, logically, it makes sense. And then I was reading Pastor Rick Warren, who wrote a fabulous book called The Purpose-Driven Life, where much of this content comes from. And I don't know if you've ever read it. I'd encourage you to read it. But he said this. Listen, listen. You, You guys ready? Listen to this. He says one of the most important statements that I think have ever been written. And it's the first few lines of the book. Matter of fact, it's the first sentence. And this is what he says. It's not about you. (laughs) Now, I know that's hard for us to receive, isn't it? Because we're told our whole life it's about us. (laughs) From our very existence, it's like, oh, it's about you, it's about you. Now, we say it's not about you, like we don't want you to be selfish, but it's really about you. And we live in this world that often is just constantly putting that before us. And he goes on to say, he says, it's not about you. Watch this. He says, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment. Your peace of mind. And even your happiness. And everyone's like, what? He goes on, he says, it's far greater. Listen to this. It's far greater than your family your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, listen, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. Friends, that's important. You were not an accident. You, you, you didn't just come out of some you know primordial ooze just kind of popped out one day that's not what the bible teaches you were not created by accident you you were here for a reason the bible says and so so any idea that 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 communicates to you that you are an accident or any idea that communicates to you that you don't have purpose or meaning or reason then that is an idea that needs to be rejected outright because the bible says it To the contrary, that you have purpose, you were created with purpose, and that you have a reason to be here on this planet. And the Bible has a ton to say about it, but here's the problem. This is the problem that we all deal with, and this is what Pastor Rick Warren was getting at. Here's the problem, is when we go looking for our purpose, oftentimes we start with ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is that we start with ourselves. We don't start with, with God or what God said or what the Bible said. A lot of times we just start with ourselves. How do you feel? What do you like? What do you want? And you, and you know, and we, we, and again, I understand why we do that. Because a lot of times it's easier to start with what we know about ourselves. And I'm not even saying that's always wrong. I'm just simply saying that if we're looking for the purpose and the meaning of our life, we have to go to the one that can answer that question. See, we ask self-centered questions when we go to ourselves. We ask things like, what do I want to be? And then we, what we ask people, young people, what do you want to be? What do you want to do with your life, right? And these are important questions. But, but but, if we stop there, I think we miss something. What what should I do with my life as another one. Or how about this one? What's, what are my goals, my ambitions, my dreams for my future? And I know that everybody in the room is like, yeah, I've asked those questions. And, and maybe I've even answered them. And maybe you're even living into some of those right now. But here's the thing we've got to see. That when we focus on ourselves, we will never, never, never understand what our real purpose is are. We will never understand what our real purposes are. Let me say this again. By focusing on ourselves, we will never, never reveal our life purposes. That's important that we see that. See, the Bible says this in Job 12.10. Stick with me. It is God who directs our lives Of his creatures. It's God who directs the lives of his creatures. Everyone. There's another everyone. Everyone's life is in his power. See you were made by God. You were made by God and for God. I don't know if you know that. But but today I just want you to hear that. You were made by God. For God. And until you understand this. Listen. You will never ever. What you're looking for. It will never ever make sense. Now. As I say that, I don't know if you believe me, but I'm promising you after living a long time, 45 years, can you believe that? Most of you are like, you're 45? It's true, I know. (laughs) I mean, just good looking, I know. (laughs) Romans 8, 6 says this. Obsession with self in this matter is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open. Watch this into a spacious, free life. Do you see the difference? We're not focusing on ourselves. We're focusing on God. We're looking to Him. Now, there's this great story. This this uh, particular philosopher who worked at Northeast Illinois University. He was a philosopher. His name was Doctor Hugh Moorhead, and He wanted to ask some people, some leading scholars of the day, philosophy, writers, intellectuals. And so what he did is he wrote 250 of these types of people around the country and around the world. And he simply asked them this question. What is the meaning of life? And he got all kinds of responses. And what he did is he published this book based on the responses that he received. But here's, here's what's curious about the responses that he got back. And I'll just read some of this. He says, people offered their best guesses. That's the, some admitted that they just made up a purpose of life. And others were honest enough to say that they were clueless. And again, these are leading experts, intellectuals, writers, philosophers. And they came to the conclusion that they didn't really have any idea. They made it up or whatever it is. It says, in fact, a number of these philosophers, writers, and intellectuals wrote back and they asked Dr. Morland, this is really great, to write them back and answer if he found the purpose of life, would he write them back and let them know? Isn't that curious? And yet, before us, we have... The Bible that God has given us so that we might know what he's all about. See, see, there's an alternative. Listen, there's an alternative to speculation. There's an alternative to f- guessing. There's an alternative, and the Bible calls it revelation. That, that, that Revelation, and I'm not talking about the book of Revelation. I'm talking about revelation that we call the word of God. In other words, that the Bible is the very Word of God, which we call Revelation. And in that Word, in that Bible, we can find the life That God is wanting us to see. See you can turn to what God has revealed about your life in the word. You don't have to turn to speculation. You don't have to turn to just the best minds of the day. You can actually turn to the Bible. And here's the thing you've got to see. Whether you like it or not. But if you will look over the spans of history. What book has had more of an impact than the scriptures? You see what I'm getting at? Like it's not like some book that just showed up. It's not just some book that was on the New York Times bestselling list this week. This is something that's rooted. It's been tested and tried. It's not something that you can't. You have to understand that when you come to it with your situation, your life, the beginning of your search, that the Bible has been in the game for a really long time. And so when you go to the word, you can trust the fact that it's been tested and that it has the very word of God, the words of God for you. And so when you're looking for what your purpose in life is, why don't you go to the one that can answer the questions? See, the easiest way to discover the purpose of your life is to ask the creator. The one that created you. See, see, the same is true for discovering your life purpose. The thing that we have to do is we have to ask God. We have to ask Him. So today, I want to give you two things. There's five, remember? But I'm going to give you two. There's two things that I want to give you today. And next week, I'll talk about the other three. But, But today, I want to give you two purposes of your life. Two purposes of your life. And so... I want to start here in Isaiah 61.3. For God has planted them like strong and graceful oaks. For what reason? For his own glory. See, he's planted you. He made you. He created you for his own glory. And this is important that we see this. See, your number one purpose in life, listen to me, Your number one purpose in life is you were planned for God's pleasure. I don't know if you know that. You were planned for God's pleasure. Your job on this earth is to bring him glory. Is to bring him pleasure. And why is that important? Why is it important that I know that? Well, because if I don't know that, what happens is I get off. I actually start doing things, acting certain ways, moving towards things that God never intended for my life. And it's important you hear this. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures and then I'll dig in a little deeper. Revelations 4.11 says this. "You You created everything and it is for your what? Pleasure that they exist and were created. So why were you created? You were created and planned for God's pleasure. Stay with me. Psalms one forty nine four a listen to this: the Lord takes pleasure in his people. See, you were created for pleasure for, for God's pleasure, and also you were now intended to to give that to him, and the Lord says that he receives it. And it blesses him. It blesses him. Now, th- this might be hard for us to understand because sometimes we don't understand this word pleasure. It's like because w- we add certain weird words to it or things that we add to it based on the world or how we define it. But it's something that we have to understand. It really means worship. Yes. That's what it means. To bring worship or pleasure or glory to God. And and, and, and this is really important. See, bringing pleasure to God is about Worship. It's about trust. It's about surrendering to the one. It's about surrendering to the God that you are not. It's about understanding your place in the cosmos. It's about understanding that God is the one in charge and you are not. It's about being able to place your faith and your trust in the one that can help you. But I don't know about you. I've done it and you've done it. Is a lot of times we go looking for the solutions or we try to figure it out on our own. And mankind, humankind has been doing this from the very beginning, looking for answers, trying to figure it out. And see, here's the thing. Worship is simply this, anything that brings pleasure to God, anything. But here's the problem, is that we define worship as what we just did a few minutes ago. We just, we assign certain things. So if we have music or if the preacher preaches or if I went to a building that they have those things, then somehow I have worshiped or I have participated in worship. But here's the problem. That's not how the Bible defines worship. It's an aspect of worship, it's a part of worship. There's point and reason behind it, but that's not how worship is defined. See, worship is about bringing pleasure to God. Worship is about expressing our love to a God who loved us first. Do you see what I'm getting at? And what happens sometimes is well, it happens quite often honestly. I don't know if you know this, but God, if this is if if, if this is true what I'm saying to you, Okay. which I believe it is, then that, what that means is, is if, if God has created me to do something, get this, He's created me to do what? Worship. You were created to worship. Now, why is that important? Because if, listen to me, if you don't worship God, you will worship something or someone. Friends, This is the thing you have to understand. This is why the Bible talks about idolatry. This is why the Bible says make God first in our lives. Because God created us to worship. And what happens is if we don't place God on the throne of our life, eventually either we'll be on the throne or something will be on the throne. Some stump will be on the throne. And what happens is we get out of sorts. Because the moment you place anything else on that throne is the moment you start into idolatry. Friends, do you see what I'm getting at? That includes people. That includes things. That includes family. That includes kids. That includes anything that takes the place of God. This is important. And I know it's kind of a hard teaching because all of us have a tendency towards idolatry. And if we don't get this right, what happens is we replace God with someone or something else, and then we find ourselves worshiping Someone or something other than God. Come on. And you know I'm right. I don't even have to spend much time on it. You know deep down that there's truth here. And that's what I'm trying to get us to see. Because, see, we were all created to worship. And the thing that, that I think about is like when I was dating my wife, I was in seminary and she was living, I was in seminary in Kentucky and she was living in, in Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul area. And so we had this long distance relationship going on, right? And I don't know if you've ever been in a long distance relationship, but you know, it, it's, it's challenging, right? And even back then, we didn't have like the technology you guys have today. You know, I was like using like long distance phone cards. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, can you charge my phone card? <laughs> But I remember when I was in seminary, I thought about her all the time. You know, I wanted to be with her all the time. Her being away from me, I just thought about her. I'd be in line. I'd think about her. I'd be in my room. I'd think about her. I'd be in these, you know, you know what I'm talking about. There's this longing to be with the one that you love. And see, what God is trying to help us see is that that's the kind of abiding that he wants. He wants. In our relationship with him. See, that's worship, my friends. It's not about the song you sing. It's about abiding in his love. See, when I was separated from my wife, as we were dating and working towards marriage, I was abiding in her love, even though she wasn't physically present. Do you understand? And see, that's what God is trying to get us to see is our job as as, as followers. Our job as his creation is to abide in his love and to worship him. And here is the rub and it's going to get real. Is that when we come to worship and we say these words, I didn't get anything out of that. Let's go back to what Pastor Rick Warren said. It's not about you. People choose their churches based on what they want. Hold on. Don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to help you. The church isn't about you. The church is about worshiping God. And it's not about the song. It's not about whether it moved you or made you stand up and shout hallelujah. Because see, worship isn't about that. Worship is about bringing pleasure to God. Worship is about giving him glory. Worship just isn't about what I sing and what I don't sing. See, when we worship in that way, we worship for the wrong reasons. And you know, and I know That we've all done it. And what I'm asking us to do as a church is to grow up, to mature, to become people who worship God simply because He's God, simply because He gave us life, simply because He is the beginning and the end of everything for us. It's not about us, it's not about how we feel, even. It's about the truth. Of the Bible that says God created us to worship him and bring him pleasure. That's what worship is about. And so I even tell people when you come to worship bring something with you. Bring an offering. Bring a shout. Bring glory to God. Bring a testimony. Bring something. Bring a hug. Bring something to worship. Because you are giving that unto the Lord and unto people. And, we, and when we make it about what we want or music we get off. Come on. And so purpose number one for your life. As you were planned for God's pleasure. I want to read just a couple of more scriptures to you and I'll be done. John 15 5 says this. I am the vine and you are the branches. Romans 12 5 says this. Christ makes us one body connected to each other. Here's the second purpose of your life. Stay with me. The second purpose of your life is you were formed for God's family. You were formed for God's family. See, you were created For his pleasure, but you were formed for his family. There is a fallacy, and I would even go as far as to say a heresy that exists in the church today, and that is it's just me and Jesus. Friends, that is not in the Bible. It's not. And so we have to understand that the family of God, the connectiveness of God's family is critical to our worship, but also to our growth as individuals and as a community of faith. See, God wants you in his family. He created you to be a part of his family. See, that is the second purpose of our life. He has planned you before you were even born. He planned you to be in community of faith. That's what he wants for your life. And one of the ways that we acknowledge that in the physical is through baptism. I don't know if you know that, but baptism is not just about you going public with your faith. Baptism is an identification with the family. It is an identification. So like in the Old Testament, if you remember back in the Old Testament, they would do circumcision to identify an Israelite with the community of faith. Baptism is the New Testament equivalent of that. Stay with me. You with me? Is that making sense? And so baptism is how we identify ourselves with the family of God. We say yes to Jesus and we get baptized, which identifies us with the family of God. See, listen to this in Hebrews two ten. God is one who made all things and all things for his glory. He wanted to have many children to share his glory. I love that. You're accepted. You've been created with purpose. 1 John 3, 1 See how much our Heavenly Father loves you? For He allows us to be called His children, and we really are. So see, you were accepted. You were included. And then watch this in James 1.18. It was ha- a happy day for Him when He gave us our new lives. How did we get new life? Jesus through the truth of his word, and we became, as it were, the first children of his new family. Oh, I love that. I love that we've been included. And the purpose of our life is to connect with that family. The purpose of our life is to connect with the family of God. And if we don't, friends, listen, if we don't, what happens is there a separation will occur. And in that separation, there are three things that start to happen that actually start to dismantle the purpose of your life. And here are the three things. Because, see, we thrive best in family. And if we thrive best in family, here are three things that you absolutely need. One is, you need a father. The Bible says that God is father and he is the father. He is the father of the family and your job is to relate to him as father. You are a son or daughter of the most high God. You're not a worm, you're not a parasite, you're not what the bi- uh, what groups of people call you, you're not what the news calls you, you're not what your mama called you, you're not what your daddy called you. You're not it. no, no, no. You are a child of God. And when you know God as Father, it is radically transformative and it helps you ground your identity. When the world is trying to tell you you're all these things, you can say, no, I'm not. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I can stand in the house and in the family of God. I don't have to go looking somewhere else because God the Father sits on the throne of my life. I know my purpose. I know why I was created. I know why I'm here because the Father has spoken these things over me. So the family of God is essential for me understanding and relating to the father. See, So you need the father, but you also need a family. And I know some of you have a great family. You're like, yeah, my mom and my dad and my brothers and they're all great. And some of you are like, I can't say that. But regardless, whether you have great or not so great. You have a spiritual family. And it is important that you invest your life in a spiritual family because it's there that you can become what? Known and loved and challenged. And if you don't have known, loved and challenged in your life, you will never become what God intended you to become. Because you need all three to grow. And that's what you find in the family of God. And so you need a father, you need a family, and then oh, here we go. I'm going to add this one in here. You need a pastor. You need a pastor. See, the Bible says that. The Bible says that you need a pastor. You need a teacher and a shepherd over your life. And if you don't believe me, go look up Ephesians 4:11. And here's the point I'm trying to get at: all of us need a pastor. I'm a pastor, and I have pastors. Do you understand? We all need pastors in our life to help and guide us. And if, if, if I'm your pastor, great. If, like, when I speak and I share and I, I love on you, I pray for you and you can hear me and you can receive my voice, right? Then great. Then I'll be your pastor. But if I'm not that guy, if I speak and I teach and you, it doesn't penetrate, then maybe I'm not your pastor and that's okay. But you need a pastor. And you should find a pastor because you will never achieve the purposes of your life without that kind of shepherd and teacher in your life. And that is how God set it up, whether we like it or not. Maybe we've had bad pastors. Maybe we've had problems with pastors. Maybe we've had pastors be mean to us or not. I get it. But we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. God's principles are still true. And so... We need the family of God, we need the Father, we need the family, and we need a pastor in our life. I love this in Ephesians 1, 5, and I'll close with this. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. See, my friends, your purpose is to give him glory. Your purpose is to be a part of his family. And then next week, I'll share the next three so that you can live purposefully and accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. It it teaches us so much. Father, we're just grateful. Can you just stay with me spiritually right now? I know some of us are like, okay, I'm going. I'm on my way to my next thing. But just stay here. Stay here in this moment. This is not a one-off, guys. Everything that we talked about will help you today. This living with purpose will help you. So what I want to do is just for a moment... For anybody here in the room where they'd say that maybe they've allowed certain things to get off in their life. Maybe they're worshiping something other than God. Maybe, you're, maybe you've been reaching for something in someone or something and been f- trying to find your identity there. Maybe today was just a, hey, let's stop doing that. Let's, let's wake up to this reality that you were created for God's pleasure. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. God, I just ask. On behalf of my brother or sister, that you would minister to that area of their life, that longing that is not finding its center in you. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that whatever is on the throne, God, it would be taken off of the throne, bound up in the name of Jesus and cast out. And if you're here today and you want God on that throne, just simply say, Lord, would you take your proper position in my life? I surrender to you. I trust you. Perhaps there's been moments in your life that you've felt rejected by the family of God. Maybe by a leader. Maybe by the Father himself. But by proxy, I just want to stand in the gap for you today and say, I'm sorry that you were hurt. I'm sorry that someone disappointed you, rejected you, or left you. But the Bible says that you now, if you confess your faith in Jesus, are adopted into the family. And so I want you to know that you're welcome in the family of God. God, I pray for any woundedness, brokenness, bitterness, or hurt, unforgiveness, anger, resentment, abandonment. I pray against those things that are keeping your kids from landing in your family. Father, I believe in faith for these things. I pray for a healing to occur right now. Intercessors, pray with me right now. Right now, I pray for a healing to that wounded heart. I pray for a healing for that father wound or that mother wound. I pray for a healing from that leader wound, that pastor wound. Father, I pray for those things to be released right now in your house. Come on. Healing is coming to you right now. Open yourself up to it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're free today. You're free. You know, the Bible says that I can know I'm created by God, but not be a child of God. And I just want to say to you, if you're here today and as I talked, if you would say, yeah, I, I get it. God created me, but I don't feel like a child of God. I just, I just want to say to you, there's a simple solution. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you can know that you know that you know that you today are a child of God adopted into his family. And so what I want to do is I want to offer anybody the opportunity in this room or even on, on, online to pray this prayer A prayer of salvation that you would come into the kingdom of God. Know God as your father. Relate to God's family. And connect in that way. God, if you're here today and you desire that. If you would say that is me, I need that in my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you this question. Would you like to have that kind of relationship with God? The Bible says you can. And so... What I'm going to ask you to do with heads bowed and eyes closed on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise up your hand. Now, why do I do that? Because I believe that this is a statement of faith, that as you raise your hand, you're making a statement of faith. And it's important that we do it because I believe if you can't raise your hand up in here, you won't raise it up out there. And so, Father, I ask right now for the spirit of God to start to move any heart in here that needs to come home right now in the name of Jesus, I I pray that this would be so. And so on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand up. One, two, three. Go ahead. Raise up your hand. In Jesus' name, God bless you. God bless you. Multiple hands going up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Anybody else? Don't wait. God never promised you another day. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Anybody's hand that went up or anybody online, I want to offer this prayer, and I'd love for you to repeat it with me. And if you're here in this room, would you just repeat this prayer as well? I don't want anybody praying alone. Let's all pray together this prayer. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Will you forgive me of my sins? Forgive me for allowing other things on the throne of my heart. I surrender to you today. Will you be my Lord? Will you begin the process of changing me? Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Heal me. I choose this day to worship and serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today?